Hello and welcome to the Golden Wheel Tavern. It's a calm day in here. We had almost no customers. While that's not necessarily good for business, I do enjoy having a day to myself to just think and relax. Being able to sit and focus on myself, my actions, and my physical form can really help me sometimes with the stress of running a tavern, especially when adventurers start meeting up in here. Today, we'll talk about the people who have harnessed their focus and direction of their minds into pure, incredible power. We'll discuss the monk in D&D. A monk is a well-focused being who has suffused their body with the power of magic inherent to the world around them. This power is called by most monastic traditions as key. This specific power is the kind of magic that flows through living things, a life force if you will. Monks can harness this power, channeling their own flow to increase their own abilities, and they can manipulate the same flow of energy in their enemies, hindering them. In manipulating and channeling this key, they can make themselves faster and their strikes deadlier. Monks come from small sanctuaries, tiny refuges from the world around them. In these monasteries, a monk aims to perfect themselves through rigorous training and meditation, honing their mind and body together to channel the magic energy inside them and all living things. Since they live such a solitary lifestyle, they aren't the most likely to become an adventurer, but a monk is likely to be familiar with their neighboring community visiting them for supplies and other goods in exchange for the services the monk provides. Oftentimes, because a monk is such a versatile combatant, they often end up being the protectors of these local communities, saving them from the threat of monsters or tyrants. It is typically this protector role that drives a monk to be an adventurer. Even if they do become an adventurer, rarely is it for the sake of slaying monsters and looting treasures. If a monk takes on the arduous journey of adventuring, giving up their isolated and peaceful life of training and meditation, it is to improve themselves, push themselves as far as they can, and expose themselves to the possibility of new abilities and mindsets. It is an opportunity for physical and spiritual growth, not an opportunity for fame and treasure for the monk. Now that we know what a monk is, we can discuss what a monk can do. Starting out, a monk gets a d8 for the hit dice. Of course, we've discussed so many times that the d8 is meant for those who mix it up. But in this case, it works extremely well for a class that is meant to play a secondary role in melee combat, not pulling the tank role, but able to pull a striker or possibly a spacer role. A monk gets no armor proficiencies, making them one of three classes and the only non-spellcaster class to get no armor proficiencies. We'll cover how they make up for it though. When it comes to weapons, they get proficiency with all simple weapons and short swords, although a monk has a special ability that makes the weapon proficiencies not as important as one might assume. They also get proficiency with strength and dexterity saving throws. Both of these skills can be important for a monk, but they also rely heavily on wisdom. At level 1, a monk gets two of their three most definitive abilities. They get their martial arts ability, a mastery of combat styles involving unarmed strikes and monk weapons, those being short swords and simple melee weapons 
that don't have the two-handed or heavy property. These simple weapons can be renamed to fit what the monk wants them to represent, such as a special weapon from their monastery. Maybe the club is actually two pieces of wood connected by a small chain, a nunchaku, or maybe their dagger is thin to a long prong with two smaller prongs on either side, a sai. This name change does not affect the statistics of their weapon, still using the stats and properties of the weapon they chose to rename. With these special weapons, or no weapon at all, a monk gains special benefits when they make attacks as long as they are wearing no armor and not wielding a shield. They can use dexterity rather than strength for their attacks and damage rolls, and they can use a d4 instead of the normal damage dice used for the attacks with the weapon they have. This d4 changes as the monk increases in levels, changing to a d6 at level 5, a d8 at level 11, and a d10 at level 17. A d8 and a d10 is larger than any of the available monk weapons damage dice, so a monk can really do some damage, even with just their fists at high levels. The monk can also make a bonus action attack on each of their turns with an unarmed attack, as long as they took the attack action on that turn with a monk weapon or an unarmed attack. This gives them the ability to make at least two attacks every round from level 1. Also at level 1, a monk has the ability to harness their mental fortitude and awareness to protect themselves. They, similar to the barbarian, get unarmored defense. But a monk's unarmored defense is different from that of the barbarian, which relies on the barbarian's constitution, as this unarmored defense allows the monk to add their wisdom modifier to their AC alongside their dex, as long as they aren't wearing any armor or wielding a shield. And quick note about unarmored defenses. If you have unarmored defense from the monk and you have unarmored defense from the barbarian, you do not get both. You get to pick one and choose that one. And in fact, if you have multiple AC calculations, such as you're playing a class that gives you an AC calculation when you're not wearing armor, and then you get unarmored defense, you still only pick one calculation to use for your AC. At second level, a monk gets their last iconic ability, their ability to manipulate key. They get a pool of key points equal to their level that they regain at the end of a short or long rest, during which they must meditate for at least 30 minutes. These points can be spent on maneuvers and abilities for the monk, some of which require saving throws. The DC for the saving throws is calculated by adding 8, the monk's proficiency bonus, and their wisdom modifier together. The monks also get 3 maneuvers at level 2 to spend their key points on. They get Flurry of Blows, which allows them to spend a key point to make 2 unarmed attacks as a bonus action, after they take the attack action on their turn, they get Patient Defense, which allows them to take the dodge action on their turn, making themselves harder to hit. They also get Step of the Wind, which allows them to spend a key point to take the dash action or disengage action as a bonus action, allowing them to move more and their jump distance is doubled for the turn. Also at second level, a monk gets the ability to move farther and faster. 
they get unarmored movement, which allows them to move an additional 10 feet per round. This increases to 15 at level 6, 20 at level 10, 25 at level 15, and 30 at level 18. At third level, they pick their monastic traditions, their subclass, which allows them to gain new abilities and powers, including new ways to spend their key points. Also at that level, they get the ability to deflect missiles. A monk can spend their reaction to reduce the damage of a ranged weapon attack. The reduction is equal to 1d10 plus their dexterity modifier plus their monk level. If this reduction reduces the damage to zero, the monk can catch the missile if it is small enough to be held in one hand and the monk has a hand free. If it is caught in this way, the monk can then spend one key point to make a ranged attack with that ammunition. They make this attack with proficiency and the missile acts as a monk weapon for the monk with a range of 20 feet and a long range of 60 feet. Monks at level 4 have so much control over the flow of energies in their body and so much physical awareness that they reduce the amount of damage they take from falling, reducing it by 5 times their monk level as a reaction. At 5th level, monks, like almost every class that gets this feature, gets extra attack. This combines very well with their flurry of blows, allowing them to make quite a few attacks each turn, as long as they have key points. They also get Stunning Strike at level 5, which allows them to try to stop the flow of key in their enemy. They can spend a key point to force the creature to make a constitution saving throw, or be stunned until the end of the monk's next turn. This gives the monk the possibility of locking down an opponent turn after turn after turn, since they are able to use this stunning strike on each attack, not just once per turn, trying again and again if the creature succeeds on their save. At level 6, a monk can channel their key, the magic within all living things, into their fists when they attack, allowing them to regard their unarmed attacks as magical for the sake of overcoming resistances and immunities. This allows the monk to be able to deal damage to almost any creature wants just by punching it, including incorporeal creatures like ghosts and specters. At level 7, a monk's heightened senses and increased agility make it especially nimble when it comes to dodging effects. If a monk is subject to a dexterity saving throw to take half damage, and a monk succeeds, they take no damage. But if they fail, they still only take half the damage the effect would have done. Also at level 7, a monk has become so focused and has trained their mind so well that they may spend an action to simply end an effect on them that is causing them to be charmed or frightened. At 10th level, a monk has become such a master of the flow of key in their body that they can drive away any disease in them. They become immune to any diseases or poisons, which also makes them immune to all poison damage and the poison condition. At 13th level, a monk can touch the key of other creatures and gain insight into what they say. A monk at this level can understand all spoken languages, and all creatures that can understand a language can understand anything that they say, as their key bends 
to match the key of the person they are speaking to. At 14th level, a monk has made their body and mind resilient through intense training and meditation. They gain proficiency in all saving throws, and if they fail a saving throw, they can spend a key point to re-roll that saving throw, although they must take the second result. At 15th level, a monk's body is timeless in regards to the frailty of old age. The monk's body can also not be forced to be aged by magic. While they do not suffer from the frailty of old age, they are not immortal, they can still die from old age, they just no longer suffer from the crippling effects of old age. At 18th level, a monk gets two new ways to use their key to enhance and change their bodies, as they can spend four key points to turn invisible for one minute and have resistance to all damage except for force damage, making themselves harder to hit, hardier, and near undetectable. The monk can also separate their key from their body and send it to the astral plane. By spending eight key points, a monk can cast the spell Astral Projection on themselves which removes their consciousness from their body and sends it to the astral plane, but a monk needs no material components to cast it. The monk can only use the spell on themselves though, unable to bring anyone else with them into the astral plane. The capstone level 20 ability of the monk is similar to that of the bard, who both have limited resources. A monk has focused themselves so tightly and has so much control over their key, they are never caught by an enemy without any key to enhance themselves with. Whenever a monk rolls initiative at level 20, if they have no key points left, they regain 4 key points. A monk is definitely a striker. Their ability to make many attacks on a turn gives them quite the potential damage output. With certain monastic traditions, a monk can also pull spacer rolls being able to lock down or manipulate enemies, and use ranged attacks. A tank role isn't as available to the monk though, due to their smaller hit die and inability to wear armor, but it isn't impossible. A support role is also not strongly available to monks, as they don't get access to spells or any healing abilities. Certain feats may help them in this role, but those are available to every character. When it comes to multiclassing though, a monk can do very well on its own, but if combined with a class to cover some of their deficiencies or give them some more abilities for their damage, a monk can be quite incredible. Rogue pairs well with monk, allowing for an extremely dexterous character who can strike with deadly force with a single punch. A monk can also pair well with certain caster classes especially wisdom-based casters like clerics and druids, which opens up the support role for the monk. Since a monk already relies on three stats to be decent, those being dexterity, wisdom, and constitution, classes that require another main ability could make the character very difficult to have decent stats with. Now, I need to take some time and think about my plans for the next while. Next time we talk, We'll talk about another class with a reputation, but this one has the reputation of being a goody-goody. We'll discuss the paladin next time. Until then, do some self-reflection, try to look inside, and figure out what you're doing.
It helps in the world out there. Trust me. I'd like to thank you for listening, and I ask you to rate us highly on whatever channel you're using to listen. If you want to follow this on Twitter, check out at the Tavern Keep and tweet about us using hashtag Tavern Keep. If you want to support this project, other than sharing it on social media, you can check out the Patreon at patreon.com slash the Tavern Keeps Guide. I'm Ryan, and this has been the Tavern Keeps Guide. Thank you, and make sure to tip the barmaids. maids.